nature. And I'm sure you're generous too. Ain't you, mister? My room's not far. Oh, maybe you don't want to wait. Welcome to Spooky Season, no, no. Citizens of Gotham. This is The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, happy Halloween, buddy. How are you? Happy spooky season, Eric. What's going on, bud? Oh, you know, doing a little DIY stuff today. It's starting to get nice and cool up here in Colorado. So, yeah, doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, same. It's um another crappy rainy weekend for us here, but uh it's definitely been chilly. It's nice this time of the year to be able to um you know walk outside with a sweatshirt. I I love that. I love being able to, you know, not have the the air conditioning on and the windows shut. It's been a little chilly. Um even we're able to put the fireplace on a couple times, which has been cool. So, definitely enjoying well, this. Well, you oh, know, we ahead. are coming off of uh we're coming off of Friday the 13th week, and they always speculate that um camp crystal lake is in new jersey so maybe yes. it's fitting it's always rainy in those movies so maybe that's maybe that's fitting that's possible yeah i i crammed in uh did i i think i watched six friday the 13th films in the last three days that's that's pretty good for me it helps that they're only like 85 90 minutes <laughs> yeah it's like the universal monster movies you can get through them really quickly and then exactly you're good yeah yeah, so um, we are here today to celebrate a little bit of spooky season and through a little bit of research as we normally do, you know, we try to find things that are topical for, for the year and see if there's any anniversaries. And sure enough, we do have a five-year anniversary. Um, we're way late year-wise on it because the movie released in January of 2018, but it fits the time of year. Um, but before we get there, I did want to let you guys know about our sponsor for today's show, our spark, our partner sponsor, of course, organicpricebooks.com. Now, a book we're going to talk about a little bit today throughout this movie. Of course, if you read the title of the of the episode, we are talking about Gotham by Gaslight, the animated film. But of course, it's based on the book. And if you're looking for a place to buy that book, there's a brand new version of the deluxe edition that's coming out in a nice trade paperback soon. And that is available for pre-order at organicpricedbooks.com. Joe, I've got Batman, um, the adventure, the, oh gosh, I can never remember the name of this particular uh, book. The Batman it, Adventures. Batman Adventures. Yes. I keep yes. wanting to say Batman, the animated series, um, but which of course it is. I've got that book on the way, the omnibus that I recently ordered. I'm really excited about it. I've actually pre-ordered a book called Moonshine, which I don't know if you've ever read, but it's like a prohibition era werewolf book 
that comes later this month is supposed to be here before Halloween, fingers crossed. Um, so yeah, organic price books. If you're looking for a great place to buy oversized, uh, you know, hardcovers or trade paperbacks from DC, Marvel, IDW, Dark Horse, Dynamite, any of those companies, organic price books is a great place to do it. And you can support this show as you do so and save yourself a little money on that purchase. Just go to the link in the description of this podcast and then use our promo codes. The first is TFRBATPOD, and that'll save you $2 off of any order. And the second is TFRBATPOD, ship it together, and that'll save you on 5% on your total order of three or more books. Joe, are there any books that you're looking forward to soon, or are you kind of bought out for the year? I'm taking a break, I think, for the time being. I actually did look to see. I do not own a hardcover of Gotham by Gaslight. And I saw that the new version was coming out, but I'm really bummed that it's a trade. I'm not going to lie. I really wish they would put out a nice hardcover of this again. I missed out. I think they've released it one time as a hardcover, and I do not have it. I actually have, um, for Gotham by Gaslight, I think I just have, the standard trade i don't even have the one that includes the uh the sequel because i think they released one of those a, a little while ago maybe a couple years ago and i'm glad to see they're reissuing a version like that so um for anyone that's looking to get a version of this book um i did read this book uh prior to recording this episode um i read it digitally though i will say i wanted to try to read the sequel prior to recording but i did not have time Con combination of not having time and I honestly completely forgot, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, the Gotham by Gaslight trade that's coming out, I think it's the same thing as the deluxe edition that I have that I got a few years ago. And of course, that includes uh, Gotham by Gaslight, uh, Batman Master of the Future, Countdown Presents the Search for Ray Palmer, Gotham by Gaslight number one, and Convergence Shazam one and two. So a lot packed into this book. But to be honest with you, Gotham by Gaslight's not a very thick book uh it's like 50 pages something like that so it's a quick read they had to pad it a little bit but it's an awesome collection so if you're looking for that you can get that at organic priced books uh joe did you have something you wanted to throw in there well yeah i actually found mine and yeah so I, mine just includes gotham by gaslight and master of the future i don't have the other supplemental material but i didn't even realize mine had the sequel so i'm glad that i actually have that it's not just a, a regular, just the initial issue. Obviously, mine was released sometime after, so I do have the sequel in mind. But yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out the sequel because I know the movie did take stuff from the sequel as well, but I've never I actually did here read and there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, if you're looking for any of those books or or any books uh, from the major companies or the or the independents, go check out Organic Price Books and use our promo codes while you do so. Um, but Joe. Without further ado, we're going to get into the topic that we're here to talk about today, and I think it's very apropos for spooky season. So let's kick it off with Batman Gotham by Gaslight. All right, Joe. So Gotham by Gaslight, of course, as we just mentioned, is based on the standalone graphic novel of the same name uh, by Mike Mignola and Brian Augustine or Augustine. Uh, it was released in January of 2018, which, by the way, January is such a strange time of year to release this particular movie, um, which is it Halloween 
No, but I think it's spooky enough you could release it around Halloween. I mean, it's it's Jack the Ripper. It's a serial killer story. You could definitely, I mean, it's it fits the slashers like Freddie and Jason. You could put it this time of year, don't you think? Uh, they could, but I don't think DC is making or putting that much thought into when they're releasing these as far as that no. goes. I no. think they, they have their schedule of when they release these animated films, and it's more, okay, Batman movie January, Justice League movie March. Like They kind of spread them out that way. Um, yeah, I don't absolutely. even think the long Halloween was released in October originally. I think that was a summer release, wasn't it? Um, The first one, I think. The deluxe was like November or December of last year. Yeah, but the the first one came out late late summer, and then a couple months later, so it was closer to the fall season. Oh, you're right. When so the part second two. half came out, yeah, you're yeah. right. I forgot. Yeah. About that. Um. So yeah, this movie was directed by Sam Liu, and of course, it stars the returning Bruce Greenwood, who I had honestly, until I rewatched this, I had almost forgotten that Bruce Greenwood came back to play Batman in this, and I was so excited to hear his voice. Once again, um, but it also has Jennifer Carpenter, Anthony Head, and Scott Patterson starring in this film. So, Joe, how long had it been since you watched this one? Probably a year, because I do watch this every year in October. Um, this is an annual spooky season watch for me. Um, I know this doesn't fit most people. Like, it's not a necessary October movie. But for me, it's an excuse to watch something Batman that fits spooky season really well. And I think if this was a live action film, nobody would even question if this can this fit spooky season. Um, you look at a movie like I, I think we, we were talking about. It, I, I mentioned from hell, uh, the Johnny Depp movie. Um, that mm -hmm. is a Jack the Ripper movie that fits perfectly into spooky season. I kind of relate that to this a lot. And um so yeah, I watch this every October if I can. Um, this is, you know, to bury the lead, definitely one of my favorite um, Batman animated films in general. I mean, we did that ranking with Holy Badcast a few years, but uh, like a year ago, and this was way up on my list. Like I, I love this movie. I any excuse to rewatch this one. It is funny you said that about Bruce Greenwood because I, I agree with you. It was a big deal when he was coming back for this. I think all of us were like, oh, great. Like another excuse to have Bruce Greenwood back is is excellent. Um, but yeah, sometimes I do forget that he's in this because it's just become the movie. Um, I don't yeah, think about exactly. the voice cast. Yeah, like he just, it just fits this movie perfectly. Um, but yeah, I there's a lot to love about this movie. Um, once we get into the nitty gritty, I have a lot to say about, you know, what they did with this film as opposed to the comic and the inspiration they took from the comic. And there's, there's a lot. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll let you go before I really get into too much, but I, I do. We're going to be gushing about this movie, I think, because I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you brought up, you know, a few things I wanted to touch on there. Um, going back to our ranking with Holy Batcast of the animated movies. I mean, this movie is in my top 10. Of Batman animated films. I love this movie just like you do. Um, and I asked you the other day, I said, do you count this for Scarathon? Because I honestly couldn't remember because I watch it. I don't know if I watch it yearly, but I watch it quite a bit. And it, when it when I was getting ready to watch it for the podcast, but this is perfect for spooky season. I mean, it's yeah. gothic. You have that Victorian era you know, surroundings in the film, you have fog and, and intrigue and mystery. And of course you have a slasher 
and Jack the Ripper in this movie. So it perfectly fits this time of year. And I will fight anybody who says otherwise. Um, but the the whole Bruce Greenwood of it all, the reason why it hit, I think it hit me this time is because um, my wife and I have been really looking forward to the fall of the house of Usher on Netflix, which has just started. It dropped this mm-hmm. week, the earlier this week. And Bruce Greenwood is one of the main characters. In fact, he is the, he is the, the Usher of the story. Okay. And, I was telling my wife because she's like, what's he been in? Because he has one of those faces, you know, when you see him, you're like, you're like, what's he been in? And I told her a couple of things, you know, and I said, and he's a great Batman voice actor. And when I said that, because we were watching a few scenes with him in it and she's like, that fits because he has an excellent voice. Mm -hmm. And I agree. I could listen to this guy read the phone book. Bruce Greenwood is just one of those voices that is so good. Um, So, yeah, I. I had a lot of fun rewatching this and especially hearing that, that amazing talented voice and not just Bruce's. I mean, the entire, the entire cast is really well done. Um, Gordon is great. It's a very different take on Gordon, but that's, that's to be expected with the outcome. Uh, but yeah, so to, to really just dive into it a little bit, cause we all know the major kicker for these movies is how are you going to approach it when you're adapting a beloved graphic novel, there's a couple of different ways you can go about it. You can go page for page, kind of just put page to screen like they did with year one and the dark Knight returns, or you can do a little bit of a twist on the story, which doesn't always work out like hush or something like that. Um, but they took a major swing with this story and definitely changed it up. And I think this is one of the situations where it absolutely worked for the better. And I wanted to get your take on that, Joe. Well, it's unfortunate because I think Hush always comes up when we discuss adaptations. Um, It's weird because year one is always the reason as to why you don't want to go direct page for page, even though I think I'm a pretty big defender of that one. But I will admit, yeah, there's not a lot of added reason to watch it. You know, it's it's just the book. Um, Hush is the whipping boy for why... You shouldn't veer too far away, but I'll use this as the example of why it's okay. I think the problem with Hush is the the execution was not what we wanted. The execution is not well done, in my opinion. But also, you take a story like Hush where it's such a a fleshed out story. It's such a well-known story and such a beloved story. Not that Gotham Big Gaslight is not beloved. It is. Everyone knows the story, but if you, when was the last time you read Gotham by Gaslight, Eric? Probably last year during Halloween. Do you remember who the killer is? Honestly, until I flipped through the book today, no. <laughs> and so I read it last week and I was the same way. I don't remember who the killer is. But mm. for this movie, we all remember who the killer is. And it's an Elseworlds tale. So it's okay to take those liberties. And they took a big swing with this one. And I think it works for a numerous for, for numerous reasons. Again, it's a it's an Elseworlds tale. It's a shorter story. It's a story that's it's well known, but not as well known as a story like Hush. And I think just it's not well known because of a quote unquote twist killer. That's not what sells the book. The book is sold on the atmosphere, on the 
the principle of the book, like just the concept of the book more than the story itself or the, the quote unquote so script. It's sold on Batman versus Jack the Ripper. Yes. Just as the yeah. theory of that, the, you know, the, the essence of that more than the, the actual nitty gritty of the book. And right. it's, it's a 50 page book. So you can't just make that into a movie. You have to flesh it out. And, and this, this movie does such a great job of adding to the book. I forgot how short the book was. And even if you remove the twist of this movie, I still think no matter who they made the killer by the end, I still think it's a compelling film. I think the killer being, you know, spoilers for a movie that's five years old. We're going to, we're going to spoil the hell out of this. The, the killer being Commissioner Gordon is such a drastic departure from anything in the comics, but in an Elseworld story, I think we all should be um, welcoming that. I think mm-hmm. some this is the story to tell like that. Um, so I, well, I give them credit for doing that. Yeah, and I've told you before, it, for, to me, if you're going to take major swings with beloved characters, Elseworlds is the place that I like to see it. Yes. Because, you know, I don't want to see that mess in in continuity because it's such a you know such a derailer for you but seeing you know such a take on this and knowing it's not going to affect my continuity um it's 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 very interesting and but there's no long lasting damage if that makes Mm, sense exactly um but it's it is interesting to see and um yeah seeing gordon who through the beginning of the film is very much the James Gordon, you know, through a Victorian lens, but he's very much the James Gordon that we know. And slowly that starts to unravel as the film goes along. And then, and I know you just said we were going to spoil the hell out of it. And we are, when we get to, uh, when we get to the part near the, near the climax of the movie where Batman discovers what he's done to his wife, like how he's disfigured her face. Yeah. It's like, holy crap. Like it, it's just, <clears throat> and that is one of many instances in this film, because I think this is a very violent film as well. I mean, we talk about it a lot with some of these films being a little, they push the edge DC animation mm. does, but man, some of the murder scenes of Jack the Ripper going after these women is brutal, but they're also not over the top gory. They're just disturbing. No. They yeah. do a lot of um, off-screen stuff also. like I feel like a, even a movie like Flashpoint, which was PG-13, I feel like has more blood and gore, or at least comparable amounts. It's not like this is over the top um, like some of the other films that have been rated R. But this, I think, gets that R rating because of the disturbing nature of the, the context of the film. And, and yeah, like the, the scene with uh, Barbara's face... And they don't go into detail about if she did anything that caused him to do that, or it's just her being a woman in general. Like it's, it leaves a lot open for debate there on what's going through his mind on why he's doing what he's doing. Correct. Well, there's a comment that he makes close to the end where he says, he says something about wives. You have to get the sin out of them because it's like inside of them or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he has this really twisted view on, on women as a a whole, Um, which obviously the real Jack the Ripper did as well, which Mm -hmm. the real Jack the Ripper was very much targeted towards a certain profession. Of course, you know, he went after prostitutes Mm -hmm. and in this story it's twisted into, um, I don't think they're 
there is an innocent woman in Jack's eyes, at least mm-hmm. as far as this story goes. Um, but yeah, it's that there, there are. I'll be honest with you. When I was watching this film back this time, I was a little surprised it has an R rating because other than the implications, like you said, yes. it it's not as violent as some of the DC movies I've seen that have oh. a PG 13. So, I mean, there's definitely the scene with Hugo strange where he gets pulled apart in the, mm-hmm. in the insane, insane asylum. But even then, I mean, it's, you see it kind of, at a distance they don't show you any gore yeah. it's just i think it's more the away. subject matter and i think sometimes the disturbing nature in the subject matter will garner an r rating and i think in a situation like this it's smart to kind of get, and not to get on like a you know my pedestal or you know high horse here but it's it might be smarter to give this con this movie the r rating just because it is an animated film you want to give something to to tell people okay this is not borderline where a kid might be able to watch it like if you gave this a pg-13 then you might be like oh like okay it's pg-13 but it's animated how bad could it be (laughs) and then you you happen to put it in for a young kid like this isn't a movie that a young kid would even probably enjoy to be honest with you um and that and that may be the thoughts of the MPA because I mean, you, yeah. and then you do you do get into the situation where the the word "slut" is thrown around, yes, and things like that. A so, bunch of times, <laughs> yeah. Which for the time was probably yeah, you know, pretty accurate. Um, I did want to discuss the art style of this film because I I think we usually talk about this with these movies, and I don't think it's something you and I have ever discussed with Gotham by Gaslight. So, what did you think of the way they approached the art for this film? Because I'm not the art guru, um, to me, this is what I want in a film like this. It's, And I, I don't mean this in a negative. It's just pretty straightforward. They're not trying to be too over the top one way or the other in a stylized fashion. Um, to me, it doesn't seem like they're trying to match the book. They're doing their own thing. I mean, I think the style matches the book more than anything as far as the colors and the backgrounds and and that kind of stuff, the architecture. I think that matches the style of the book. But I don't know about the the actual figures of the characters. Um, I think Batman looks to resemble what he looks like in the book. But I Mm -hmm. think his structure... um, is a little different. They didn't go for a straightforward Mike Mignola, uh, you know, just straight off the page, but I think it honors it enough. I think it, you know, it's, it's pulling enough from it while also still being its own thing to not try to, because I think sometimes it can be clunky if they go straight forward, uh, you know, try to be page for page or page to screen. Um, but I, I think they found that happy medium. And I, again, I just don't think it's anything, I think it's fluent. I think it's um, I think it's beautiful, but I don't think they're trying too much to make it overly distracting for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term, maybe for me. Like I, I think sometimes when they go too over the top, um, the art becomes the focal point where I think in this case, the story is the focal point. And I think the color really fits the tone of this film. That's the most important thing for me, other than maybe the art style. And so there's something I noticed, and I don't think I've ever thought about it until I watched it this time. Um, The art in this movie is very distinctive. 
if you've ever seen the Jackie Chan adventures, it was a series that came on right around the time. I think it came on the round around the time the Batman, the animated series was coming on. Okay. And both of those shows share a very similar animated art style. This art style in this movie looks a lot like those. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of similarities there. So I don't know if the studio that did those shows did this movie as well, you know, because Warner Brothers animation absolutely uses other animation studios when they're doing these movies. Um, but I noticed, especially Hugo Strange, the way he looks, mm-hmm. there's a similarity to several other characters in the Jackie Chan adventures. So I thought for a second, I'm like, man, did they do did, did the same studio do this? So I'm not sure, but that's that's the first thought I had. But yeah, I love the art style in this movie. I think it works really well for the time period they're trying to capture. I like the way Batman's suit looks. I like the way the surroundings look in, in, in Gotham, in this Victorian Gotham. I think they captured that really well. And let's be honest, Mike Mignola is one of those artists. <laughs> I think it's kind of like Frank Miller. You know, go with something... As close as you can, but don't try to emulate yeah. because that's a, it's a fool's errand. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they did a great job here, though, with this art. I really like it. Um, and again, I love the steampunk Batman. I love the the big wide eyes around his actual eyes and the the like the um, what do you call it? The kind of coat that the cape emulates, like yeah, a trench coat. Overcoat. It's like an overcoat yeah. slash cape. And I love the I love the collar. And the collar was always the one thing that I loved about uh Pattinson's Batman, having that little collar uh to mm-hmm. hide, you know, the the where the, the cowl attaches and, and so you could see like nothing is uncovered and you could see how he turns his head and that kind of thing. I always thought that was cool. Um, but you did bring up Victorian Gotham. So I have watched this movie so many times that, again, I I haven't read the book in a long time. I did read it this week. I love the choice they made to just have Gotham City be part of, I guess it's England, like that, you know, area somewhere in the United Kingdom. I I mean, like you said, the Victorian era. Um, Am I wrong there? What is what is what am I looking for? So I don't know if it's if it's ever expressly said that Gotham is in Europe in this one? I so I always assumed it was because it's Jack the Ripper. But in the book, mm-hmm. he's literally coming from England. England coming mm-hmm. back to Gotham. And it's like a Jack the Ripper, not a copycat, but like it's like he came from England, or I don't remember exactly how it was in the book. But me personally, I liked it. To me, I took this as Gotham is in Britain. That's how I always took the movie. Um, they didn't okay. overcomplicate it. Um, but maybe that's just because that's just the way I looked at it because I felt like that was what they were going for with the Jack the Ripper thing. Um, but I love how they flesh out Gotham in the story compared to the... Like, the book is very straightforward. The book is just the story with Jack the Ripper. I think this is the perfect way to do an Elseworld story fleshing out the world using Batman characters, but not taking it too far either. It's not like, oh, we have a random character. Let's just give them a name. But also they have fun with names of characters to just like kind of pay nods or or give nods to certain characters. Like obviously Selena Kyle was a huge part in this. And I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Having one of the first victims be Pamela Isley. um, I was about to say that. 
then like uh, the obvious one is the three robins play a, a big part mm. i love that um hugo strange you already mentioned but none of these characters take away from the story they're just there they're just kind of background and and filling you know filling out the world but they could have easily maybe tried too hard to incorporate like you know have harvey dent turn into two-face or, or you know go over the top with it but no it still stayed in that victorian world but you just fill it with the character names that we know which i i really like that Speaking of nods to Batman's world, did you notice, I think this is the first time I've ever caught it, since you were talking about the three Robins, did you notice the nod to Batman 89? The Monarch Theater? Nope. They were talking about somebody being attacked by the Batman, and they specifically say he was Johnny Gobbs. Oh, no, I did not catch that. Yeah, the three Robins are talking about Johnny Gobbs, and I was like, I wanted so badly for one of the other Robins to go, nah, man, he just stepped off a roof. I wanted that so badly, but he didn't say it. <laughs> That's so funny. No, I would have never caught that either. I would have never caught that. That's yeah, great. Yeah, so it's a reference to Batman 89 there in this in this Victorian Batman movie. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. But to your point, yet another nod. Um and it's just that one is specifically for you know a, a super fan to catch. Nobody else mm-hmm. would ever yeah. would ever pick up on that. But yeah, um, and they do that throughout the film with little little bits and pieces as the characters we've already mentioned. Um, but I, I don't think we can we can loop around very far until we have to talk about the huge elephant in the room in this movie, and that is as we've already mentioned, James Gordon being the killer. So I want to kind of try to rewind your mind a little bit, Joe, to the first mm-hmm. time you saw this. Yeah. If, you, if you can remember, uh, what was what do you what do you remember about that, and what do you think of James Gordon being the killer? I remember being completely in shock when I first saw it. Like I did not see it coming, but I was never angry. I was angry in the context that the film wants you to be angry. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I wasn't yeah. mad at them for doing it. I was like, Oh wow. Like, and I think I remember thinking like, wait, was it like that in the book? And I just don't remember. Cause I honestly could not remember the book at all. And I'm like, no, that couldn't have been how it was in the book. I don't even remember commissioner Gordon playing a part in the book. Um, He's there. I mean, okay. he helps. He ha- he's there to to take away the the actual Jack the Ripper at the end of the story. But okay. other than that, I mean, he's he's and, basically just Commissioner Gordon. And it never even occurred to me that the killer that's in the book doesn't even appear in this movie at all. Like he's not even mm-hmm. mentioned. That character is completely removed. Which, I mean, not for nothing. Like again, I, I'm not trashing the book here. The book is the book. We wouldn't have the movie if it wasn't for the book. The book did its own thing. It did it well. It's fine. But. The movie was like, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna use this character. It's a throwaway character. We have our own set of rules here that we can go by, and we have plenty of characters to choose from. And I love that they did that. And like I said, I, I don't think Commissioner Gordon had to be the villain in this, but for them to have the guts to do that, I think is so nice. And it was just so refreshing to have a twist like that that we didn't see coming in a movie that was adapted from a book that all of us knew, but not well. Like I, I'll completely admit, I did not know the book well. And I think there are a lot of Batman fans that do know this book extremely well that were watching this movie saying, okay, the killer's not even in this movie. Who is the killer? Which I think is also fun. It's not even like they mm-hmm. used them as a red herring. They just eliminated them completely. So I think they did a lot of things right with how they told this story. And I think 
because the setup is so well done and because again it's an elseworld story because i think not to keep harping on hush but i think hush like laid it on too thick with the riddler stuff leading up to the reveal that like they yeah. kept they kept like bagging on the riddler throughout the movie so then by the time you get to knowing that it's the riddler you're so pissed because they like didn't they didn't make it and i hate this word they didn't earn it but i hate that term so much but like it wasn't and i love that movie up until the twist i just think they they focus too much on that twist where this movie is still just the movie. They, they told a good story to the point where I think no matter what that twist was, we were going to buy it. And well, yeah. And well, to that point, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but to that point, no, it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, well, they said they, they took away your expectation of it to be like the book from the beginning. Cause like you said, you didn't have that connection <laughs> to that killer. Like you did in the book. Um, it's sort of like, in, in my opinion, the way that the long Halloween did it because mm-hmm. they take away Alberto. Yes. You know, clo- at the end of the first movie. So then you're like, well, it can't be him. What, where are we going from here? Yeah. So that's what I like about, um, that's what I like about the way that they did this story is because they subverted your expectations early on. Um, so you knew it was going to be different. It was just a matter of who. And then when you find out, it's like, holy crap, it was just really well done in this story. Yeah. Um, as a, while we're talking about like similar, um, or or different characters that that appear in the world and in Batman's regular world, I want to say I love what they did with Leslie Tompkins, yeah. even though I hated that she became a victim. I can't believe you I, love what they did with Leslie Tompkins. What's wrong with you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not in that way. I mean, I love the character that that she yes. portrayed because. If you're putting her in a Victorian world, of course Leslie Tompkins would be a nun. Yep. It makes sense. So, so yeah, I just and helping I, the less fortunate in that world, like sticking yeah. up for the quote unquote filth of Gotham. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so well done. It's it's exactly what Leslie should be in this story, and it it's one of those things where they did so many things perfectly in this movie that we take it for granted how perfect it was. It's like, Oh, it was a no brainer. Oh, it was a no brainer because it's so obvious, but give them credit because they thought of everything, the perfect way to do this. And it's, and Leslie is one of those characters that we always say doesn't get enough um, screen mm-hmm. time in general. So I love that they went out of their way to put her in this. They didn't have to put her in this there. They could have told this exact story without her, but it just adds more depth to the story and more love, lovely characters in Bruce's world. And a failure of Bruce when she does die. I mean, that's heartbreaking when she's and that to me, that's the worst death in the movie is there's no reason to kill her. I 100 percent agree. And I, but to your to your point there, I mean, you said there's no there's no reason to kill her. But I think it's the moment in the movie that gives me the most dread every time mm-hmm. I watch it. Like it just it gives you that those Halloween vibes because, you yes. know, there's. There's often a victim in a scary movie that doesn't necessarily deserve it. And it's yes. like when when they get it, you're like, oh, God, because you're you want them to escape. But I do love that Leslie is she's not going to run. No, she's you know, she I can't remember exactly what she tells him. But oh, wait, she, it gives me chills thinking about it. She says, I want you to know I forgive you. Yes. Which is just, again, like it, literally I'm getting chills thinking about it because the, the delivery of the line, and I'm sorry, because I never looked up the cast before we started, but the delivery of the line is beautiful. And she says, I forgive you and I'm not going to scream. 
I won't give and you the satisfaction. She, yes, but then she does scream when he starts killing her, which is again, it just adds to that dread, like you said. It's so devastating because she's such this beautiful character. And it is, it's just you're right. That's the part where the the killer's motivations become so suspect at that point where you think okay he has a direct motivation of removing gotham from the you know prostitutes or the, removing the prostitutes from gotham excuse me but when he kills leslie okay now your motivation not that we're we're ever sympathetic for the villain but at least you're understanding his motivations, whether, I mean, we obviously disagree with them. We obviously know they're horrible, but you see his motivations. Once he kills Leslie, those motivations are out the window. Now you're just, you're a sociopath. There's no way around it at this point. You're just murdering because you're trying to justify what you're doing, but what you're doing is not justifiable in the least. What, a the sociopath you, and a bastard. <laughs> yeah. It's killing Leslie is the turning point to, okay, this guy clearly has issues to, oh no, this guy needs to die. And not to go right to that, but man, the conviction on Gordon by the end to kill himself instead of being turned in, that's a brutal death. And that might be garnered the R rating as well. That death, it's not gory, but being, you know, being set on fire. I mean, you know, just walking back through that fire. Yeah, he backs himself into the fire. Yeah. Again, every choice they make in this film is is really well done. I, I love I, I can't give them enough credit with this movie because it's it's I think the standalones always are the ones that we tend to go back to more and more. I don't know whether it's because they are executed so well or because we're so much more willing to go with a different story. Mm-hmm. And I think it just We've talked about this a lot with like if they're going to reboot again with the animated universe or just tell one-offs because man they they hit these one-offs out of the park most of the time. I mean, I when was the last time they did a one-off that we were like, oh, that wasn't that great. I mean, the Killing Joke was an adaptation that some people liked, some people didn't. That was a one-off, but it was still taken from like this this big story. But again, most of I would say one-offs... the Doom that came to Gotham it was pretty like down the middle. Either you really, either you really liked it, or yeah. it wasn't for you. But I would again, say. I think I liked it. Most people are not hating on them. They're just like, ah, it wasn't for me, right? Where when you would try to adapt a hush and put it in continuity, you're like, burn it with fire if you don't like it. <laughs> Where yeah, because not like, not, a, eh. not only do you have to make a good ad- adaptation at that point, you have to make it fit into an established universe as well. So Which you're pulling hard. double duty. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, but I did want to bring up, so you were asking, Gray Griffin uh, is the voice of Sister Leslie Tompkins. She's also Selena Kyle's singing voice and Jason Todd in this movie. So she pulls triple duty on this one. Well, speaking of that, the song that is sung by Selena Kyle in this with the... um, So I... <laughs> stupid. <laughs> that's a standard song, apparently. I did not know that. That is a That is a standard from like way back in the day. I did not know that. That's not an original song. And here's the dumb way I found that out. So when I was watching it, I am now a subtitle guy. We have talked about this, me and you, about how now having kids, I watch things with subtitles because the damn kids need to be sleeping and I can't have the TV too loud. So (laughs) when I'm watching it, the song is Tame Wild Women, right? Yep. Well, 
when you have the subtitles on, it's spelled. Are you looking it up? Is that what? <laughs> so hold on. Let me look it up. It's spelled wild. It's spelled really weird. Hold on. I got to find it now because it's spelled really weird. Oh, and I'm not going to be able to find it because I can't remember what it was. Um. Anyway, the song is is from like years ago and it's not spelled women it's spelled oh, oh, oh it's w-i-m-m-e-n okay thank you so and i'm like why are my subtitles like that like who who screwed up these subtitles where they don't know how to spell women <laughs> so i looked it up and that's why is because that was the song title from back in the day and because honestly i thought it was a catchy song i'm like oh like they created a song for this movie that's crazy and now everyone that knows that this is a standard and it's obvious that we should have known this i apologize for being totally um <laughs> you know uncultured not, um, uncultured exactly (laughs) (laughs) well and it so but the song is perfectly fitting for the film that it's in because if you listen to the words of the song it's like could they fit it any better with jack the ripper because it's absolutely you know what's the term uh, apropos yeah there you go that's that's what i was looking for but yeah but but wonderful performance though and it is really catchy when you're listening to it because it's a kind of a it's a cabaret style song Mm -hmm. i would say yeah um so yeah it's it's a really fun addition to the movie um and yeah gray griffin knocked it out of the park which there was a couple i was as i was just looking at it there were a couple of uh folks that pulled uh double or triple duty uh kari warrer she portrayed pamela isley and interestingly enough, she's, I don't know if you've ever caught this before. She's credited as Barbara Two-Face Eileen Gordon. Oh, that's interesting. So I guess that like a, the, that's the homage to Two-Face. The burned not... face is their version of Two-Face. Okay. And again, it's, it's subtle. You get it. Um, it's so subtle that I never really put two and two together, but it's obvious like when you think about it. But if you think about the moment in the film where you get that reveal, she's this sweet, you know, mm-hmm. just house, you know, housewife. And then there's a switch there. Yeah. Where like she's, she's defending him. Like, yeah, she's, absolutely. She, yeah. Like, and she's turned like he turned her. He scarred her. And now she's on his team, which is just even more devastating that she's not like scared of him. She's part of that. Yeah, it sort of reminded me of Gilda a little bit yeah, from The Long Halloween. Exactly. So, yeah, it's interesting dynamic. More layers now that you say that. Yeah, yeah, this podcast is like an onion, Joe. We're, we're peeling <laughs> up the layers. We're getting there. Uh, we're getting there after our 25th watch of the movie. We're finally yeah. starting to peel back those layers. There you go. We're so, we're so edumacated. Now, um, uh, one thing that I had never, ever noticed and you told me about and so I paid attention and I did catch it on this watch, but I want to let you talk about it was the mention of Cyrus gold mm-hmm. because I had never caught it before. And when you told me that the other day, I'm like, Cyrus gold's not in this movie. You're crazy. And then I watched it this time and I did catch it. So, so like, when did you notice that Cyrus gold was, I, I was just it? going, I was going through the, the cast list on IMDb and I'm like Cyrus gold. And I was about maybe 50 minutes into the movie. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Cyrus Gold, like, where the heck was Cyrus Gold? And he literally just popped up like five minutes after I had texted you. Like, I have no idea who this is. Let me know when you watch it, if you catch where he is. But it was the, um, he's the guy in Arkham after uh, Hugo gets killed, right? Or right as as Hugo's getting killed. He's one of the the guys in Arkham that's that's fighting or something. If I remember Yes. Correctly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah. 
but yeah, I had never noticed that before. So, so you told me some information there. Um, one thing I did, I did want to bring up that just, just a minor nitpick. I think it was a missed opportunity. They, they chose to use Bullock as the chief, mm-hmm. as the police chief in this. I think with <laughs> I the accent with and, and the time period, I think you could have gotten away with a chief O'Hara. You yeah. definitely could have given him the Irish spin and made him mm-hmm. Chief O'Hara. Um, but I appreciate the use of Bullock. So so there you are. Um, but Joe, is there is there anything? Oh, before I get before I get there, I want to say the older lady, uh, Mahoney. What was her first name? I can't remember. Oh Mahoney. I think it was something with an M. Marlene. Marlene Mahoney. Do you know okay. who do you know who voiced? Marlene yes um because I caught it when I was watching it because I did that okay so that's how I found Cyrus Gold because I heard Marlene Mahoney speaking and I'm like wow that sounds like Tara Strong Mm -hmm. and I remember looking it up to make sure it was and I wasn't losing my mind and sure as hell it was Tara Strong and that's when I found the Cyrus Gold thing because I was looking through the cast list yeah and Tara Strong was also Timmy Drake in this oh I didn't see that did not see that yeah so again with these character actors or voice actors pulling triple and double duty um, you cool. have. But while we were talking about Marlene, I don't like Marlene and I know you're not supposed to, <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's not like, like I don't like this character because of what she is. I, for, I just can't stand when Marlene's on screen. I don't know why, <laughs> yeah. but it just bugs me. Well, she's uh, not, the typical townie, like the, you yeah, know, the one that's yeah. buttoning in and being a pain in the butt. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then, I don't know, kind of with everything that she's kind of done in the movie, it, eh, she gets hers from Jack <laughs> near the end. So, yeah, but I was not sad to see Marlene go. Um, but, yeah, is there... But that's just you it, being a slasher fan. You had to root for one death. You couldn't help yourself. You had to root for Yeah, because I'm the person yeah. that pulls for Jason Voorhees. I, yeah. I can't help myself. Well, most um, people do, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so are there any huge standouts you wanted to make sure we mention? Cause you know, every time we do one of these shows, you get to the end and then when, once we hang up and we're done talking about it, it's like, ah, that, I wish I would have brought that up. Is there anything you can think of offhand? Just because we haven't given her a lot of mentions other, um, Jennifer Carpenter is Selena Kyle. There's such a great yes. job in this movie. And this is, you know, we all talk about how Selena might be a little overused lately in being a partner to Bruce. I think mm-hmm. in this film, she's used perfectly. Um, maybe it's more forgiving because it's in Elseworlds, but I think she is portrayed perfectly because she's she's a um, hesitant partner. Like she's there because of her own reasons, and then they kind of find that bond while they're trying to figure out what's going on. And I like that version of why they're together. And I like, I just like her personality in this. I think she's a lot of fun. She's still her. She's not just Bruce's sidekick. I don't like when Selena is there just to be Bruce's sidekick or Bruce's girlfriend. Selena is there for her own reasons in this film. And I, I love everything they did with her in this movie. Yeah, and she's the, the ultimate. Is really good. Absolutely, she's the ultimate feminist in this mm-hmm. movie, um, and I like that. Even though they didn't, they didn't choose to make her a criminal. Um, she was, I mean, she was standing up for for women 
mm-hmm. and you know what what was happening to women in this film and i really like that and i love that they give her a backstory for why she can use a whip so well mm-hmm. i love that she was a she was a lion tamer yeah. in in the circus that's awesome i that's a great reason for her to be good at using a whip and the whip action in the movie is great the 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 early scene the fight between her and jack that's one of my favorite scenes in yeah. the movie I like how, you know, he thinks he's just got another easy victim here and she she takes it to him with this whip. So, yeah, that's a pretty cool scene. I think the one big thing that I would want to bring up is the chase between Batman and Jack. Um close to I think it's during close to the Arkham um it's like right movie. before the final battle. It's yeah, it's it's towards the end when they're running across the blimps and things like that. I mean, it's, yes. it's a really fun chase in the movie. Well, that That's the one right before Selena finds him. Correct. It's almost, yes. it actually reminded me of mask of the phantasm when Andrea tells him to get in. It, it yeah, seemed almost like point. a, probably an unintentional nod. I don't think they're stealing from mask of the phantasm at that point. I don't think that's that blatant because I don't think it's, I mean, it's not anything to stand out. It's, it's, you know, it's pretty common for you know someone to be rescued like that, but I, that's what it reminded me of that the depiction of the two characters there. Um, mm-hmm. So I loved that. But at that point, she didn't even know he was Batman, which I thought was pretty cool. Like she doesn't find out until later, but yeah, that's a great chase. They added a lot of action to this film that was not in the book. And I want to say again, I did not read the sequel, but I want to say probably when the guys from Holy Badcast covered this, when it came out, they mentioned, it might've even been Jamie that mentioned um, the blimp is from the sequel. Have you ever read the sequel? Yeah, because I've re- I read the deluxe last year, but okay. if I'm honest, I can't I can't remember. I'm almost positive parts. that they took the World's Fair concept from mm-hmm. that or the Gotham Fair whatever it's called in this. I'm pretty sure they took that concept loosely from the the sequel because I and again, I I'm not doing that from my own memory. I'm pretty sure that someone from Holy Badcast did mention that. So I did want to um, That would make sense because the title of the sequel is Master of the Future. So okay. That I mean, without any other context, that would make sense yeah. just based Either, on the title. No matter how they did it, I think they did a great job to flesh out the story that way with the action because there's not a lot of action in the book at all. It's only 50 pages. But this is also one of those movies where like most of the time I'll kind of zone out during the action scenes in animated films. I don't in this because I think the animation is yeah, really it, well done. It's and very the, well done. The The backgrounds are, are, are like they get your attention. The fire, there's a lot of fire going on with the, the whole uh, blimp scene. It's really gripping. And that's hard to do for me, especially in an animated film. Yep, agreed. But I, I think it's it's one of those situations where they just hook you into this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you do get invested in the action, even though it's animated. So that's a very well job, uh, very well done job there. And the, the last thing I really wanted to touch on was I think it was really smart um, because Batman is kind of newer to this world, um, you know, in, in this Victorian Gotham, he's kind of he hasn't been on the scene very long. And now we have those murders. So, of course, yes. of course, we want to pin it on the Batman. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And then it's very clever to have the timeline not add up. And well, the Batman couldn't have done it because there was a murder and he was in prison. So. Even though he still, he, I mean, he basically still has to escape, but <laughs> but also smart that they have Gordon sticking up for him the whole time. Gordon is is playing his part very well, mm-hmm. and I also before we forget to bring it up too, I love the whole thing about him killing with his left. Um, he's 
ambidextrous so he can he is a right-handed um i think i want to say he's right-handed most of the time but he did all of his killings with his left hand to throw everybody off and i love that he says he, in he rationalizes it well I, I love that he says the nuns beat that sin out of him yeah Okay. So they made him stop using his left hand because I guess at the time, you know. Oh yeah, um, that was left the devil's hand. hand. Like yeah, like yeah, you, you weren't supposed to be lefty. That's that's. They did a lot of cool, fun stuff like that. That's right. And again, yeah. they're taking it to the next level. They didn't need to add any of that stuff. Like this again, I go back to the story. The same with or without that, but they did put the extra time in to really, um, really fine tune the story for this. Which, you know, if if a bunch of nuns beat him because he was left-handed, that could tell you why that he, he wanted to kill Leslie Tompkins. Because, I mean... Yeah. She might have been his teacher. I, we don't know the whole story, right? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, is there anything else that you can think of pressing that you wanted to get out there before we wrap up here? Because I, I do want to give it its due if there's anything else. No, I'm glad you mentioned that Bruce being... a. Uh taken captive for it because i mean that is such a batman thing but it is it, it fits the story really well and yeah um no i think that i think we covered most of everything that i i definitely wanted to um i do recommend people checking this out though for for spooky season it definitely fits this is uh yeah i think i'm good i think i don't have anything else really to add to it uh, you can you can wrap it up yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think it's a perfect movie to watch, you know, when you're, when you're on a, a cool crisp night, when you've got those Gothic feels anyway, it's close to Halloween. I think it's a perfect time of year to watch this movie. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's Batman who, you know, any of us will take any excuse to watch a Batman movie anyway, but you've also got Jack the Ripper. So it's a win-win for spooky season and Halloween. Um, but yeah, that is gonna, that's gonna, be where we close it out for this first of two spooky season episodes so if you guys want to follow along with us make sure that you read crimson mist in time for the next episode because we are closing out our batman red rain trilogy or batman dracula trilogy whichever way you want to put that um that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks just in time for halloween our halloween special i guess um joe i don't know what we're gonna do next year because we're finishing up the the batman dracula trilogy so we'll have to we'll have to pivot to to another spooky season batman item um, well, we still got to talk about my idea because i i forgot we had to wrap up christmas miss so i did have a story that i wanted you to read and i don't think you have read it but we'll talk off air again about that because i keep forgetting to remind you about it but i think yeah. we could do that next year i think it'll be fitting but um and we also have so Eric had another idea and then he came up with the Batman Gotham by Gaslight last minute. And I, I will say I like the Gotham by Gaslight idea better, but we do still have a backup for a movie idea next year if possible. Yeah, which I'll go ahead and say what it was because, I mean, it's it's five years old as well, I think. I'm pretty oh, I didn't sure realize that I didn't realize that fit too. Okay. Yeah. So I'll look at that and, and double check, but we, we were going to cover um, Constantine city of demons, but of course I thought about Gotham by gaslight. We figured it was five years old, so it was good to talk about for spooky season this year, but um, let us know what you think about Constantine. Maybe that's something we'll loop back over to the future for a, for a spooky season episode. Um, but Joe, Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I hope you're feeling 
feeling good about spooky season this year. I I'm, I'm excited. Um, we have, we have a lot left to go. I'm knee deep in Scarathon. I know you are too. Uh, so why don't you tell everybody before you hop off and go back into whichever Scarathon number you're on, uh, where they can find you out there on social media. Well, we're at crunch time now. I mean, it, it seems like we got, you know, we only got like a little over two weeks left now till Halloween. So that's yep. not a lot of time to fit all the, uh, the classics in. I, I, I wait too long every year to watch my, my favorites. And then it's like, Oh, am I going to have enough time to fit them all in? I, I really should start getting to those classics earlier, but um, I'm glad I got this one in and I'm glad we were able to talk about it. Cause this was a lot of fun. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter instagram and letterbox at j4 and 11 uh keep up with my scarathon watch on there um i try to add to that i try i've tried to stay with at least one a day but that's not easy um or at least on pace for one a day if i can fit into a day and maybe skip a couple days here and there but the 90 minute ones definitely help (laughs) that's definitely (laughs) easy or the like you said the 65 minute uh monster universe that's fun too but um, and you guys can find me on Facebook as Joe Fornarato, F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O. And we will be back in a couple weeks. Yes, sir. And as for myself, you can find my personal accounts on Instagram, X and Letterboxd at me Carter 89. That's M-E Carter 89. The show can be found on Facebook, Instagram and X at tfr bat pod as i said earlier if you have thoughts or questions or comments you can send us an email uh shoot those emails to tfr bat pod at gmail.com if you're looking for a way to support the show the easiest way to do that is to leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to this show on if you do leave a written review on apple podcasts along with your emails we will read those on the show If you're looking for another way to support us, and we don't ask that you spend a dime on this show, uh, but if you'd like to, you can go to redbubble.com and search shop TFR, all one word, and find a bunch of merchandise with our awesome logos uh, created by Justin Kowalski. Our theme music was composed by a very talented Gaurav Vinakeswar. His music can be found on gvtunes.com. But until next time, that has been Joe and myself, Eric. And make sure you keep that back signal lit and pointed skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Comics, or DC Studios. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. I thought for a minute. Well, you're clearly a real gentleman. 
You lonely? I hate to see a man lonely. I got a generous nature. And I'm sure you're generous too. Ain't you, mister? My room's not far. Or maybe you don't. 